We are the Zip family to the Philippines, reaching Southeast Asia for Christ. People ask Sarah and I all the time, why did you choose the Philippines? And the simplest answer is, we didn't choose the Philippines. God chose the Philippines for us. Our work in the Philippines is born out of a burden for us to fulfill our role in the Great Commission. I remember standing in the foyer of our church and wondering, what does that mean to me? And what is my mission? I was saved on March 22, 2009. And immediately, God began to speak to my heart and ask me, what will you do now? Sarah and I were both discipled one-on-one. And in 2012, we enrolled in the Jackson Bible Institute and School of Ministry, a four-year training program through our local church. We have been praying about a missions trip that would focus on our heartbeat for one-on-one discipleship. God met that need as we were able to train pastors and their wives on one-on-one discipleship. While on our trip, the Lord began to work on both of our hearts and guide us to continue to pursue the Philippines in our call to our missions work there. Through this time, I really began to understand and personalize what the sign in our church foyer meant to me, both locally and into the uttermost part of the earth. It is possible to reach the entire world with the gospel, but it requires faithful servants and a strategic plan. In 2016, Eddie and Sarah Ziff graduated from our Bible Institute, and they've served the Lord faithfully here in our local church, gaining much experience working in many, many different ministries, even traveling around the world, making friends and partners with national pastors. After receiving the call of God to go to the mission field, We deputize them as a church, backing them, fully supporting them to build a coalition of other Baptist churches to help them in their endeavor to reach all of Southeast Asia with the gospel. We fully support them and hope that you will too. Even from a young age, I have always had a heart for missions. I remember the first missionaries that I met and God immediately began working on my heart. I was saved at the age of seven years old under the ministry of the Canton Baptist Temple. God's call for me was made clear when we visited the Philippines in 2016. I remember how excited I was when I finished one-on-one discipleship and how I wanted others to share in that excitement. As we prayed, God continued to grow his plan. For the past three years, we have continued to develop relationships and work with key local churches throughout Mindanao, teaching one-on-one discipleship and helping train their leaders. We knew there was more to be done and needed to be there full-time to help continue this work. With a strategic plan to train, love, disciple, and encourage current churches, plant new churches with missionaries and pastors, we could then send out new missionaries into areas of Southeast Asia that are not possible for Americans. Our plan is to plant a key local church and biblical headquarters in Tajun City, located approximately 50 miles from the capital of Mindanao, Davao City. Of the 7,000 islands in the Philippines, Tagum City is about the physical size of Cleveland, Ohio, and currently has approximately 300,000 people living there, making it the most populous component city in Mindanao. With our friendships and relationships strong, this will be our strategic location. One in five Filipinos of the 106 million population of the Philippines are living in extreme poverty and live on less than $2 a day. Our plan also includes feeding ministries and livelihood programs to help in other areas of need. This will increase the overall well-being in communities involved as well as maximize the effectiveness for us to reach Filipinos for Christ. There are over 170 dialects in the Philippines, but in Mindanao, the native language is the primary. However, today, most schools and young people are fluent in English. In Tagum City, we have a great connection with the public and private schools to share Christ with them as well as learn the native language. 
The people of the Philippines are open, loving, and relationship-based people that are genuinely responsive to the gospel. Many have been saved from past efforts of missionaries and churches in some areas, but the outerlying areas are still tribal and cling to forms of spiritualism and ancestor worship. The need for these areas is not just for unreached people, but for those that have heard false gospels and false doctrines that have kept them in spiritual darkness. Statistically, the Philippines is labeled as Christian, but with over 80% of its population trapped in Catholicism and another 10% in Christian cults, there is a great need to expose the true gospel of Jesus Christ through a personal relationship with him, not just religion. Imagine the impact of the areas and cultures seeing their people come to Christ, common people that would love God, make disciples, plant local churches, teach them to do the same. It sounds a lot like the book of Acts. Our plan will succeed by achieving the following six goals to deepen our mission. Develop a network of key biblical churches to reach the Philippines and multiply into all of Southeast Asia. Establish biblical discipleship with church members to help individuals grow spiritually. Evangelize the lost and religious people starting in southern Mindanao. Plant Filipino churches with sound Bible teaching and preaching in the Philippines and Southeast Asia. Equip current and future pastors and missionaries with quality biblical training and materials in our Bible Institute. Nurture and feed the spiritual and physical needs of the community with livelihood programs and feeding ministries. The entire world is hurting and in need of the gospel. The world is a big place, yet the Lord Jesus commanded us to go into all nations, to go into the uttermost parts of the earth, and to go to the places that he calls us to. But we cannot do this alone. If we try, we'll fail. The power we do this in is his, but the responsibility is for all of us together. You can corporately or independently support us in three key ways. Through your prayers, through your financial support, and through your willingness to join us in the future work with us on site in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia. God has an epic plan to reach the world, and he uses ordinary people just like us. We ask you to join us by helping strengthen those at work already and create new partnerships that can reach the Philippines first and into all of Southeast Asia. Finally, we ask for you to partner with us today, remembering the words we want to hear from our Lord Jesus one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Stopping uh, stop the alarm. I'm not speaking in tongues. It's not getting weird. That is good evening, everyone in Visayan. Visayan is the native dialect of the southernmost island of the Philippines, Mindanao. Uh, my name is Eddie Griff. Thanks, Pastor Brian, for having us. Pastor Randy, uh, all you guys for having us in. We we wanted to be here last year, but do you remember there was that thing that rolled in called COVID? So we we sent you a little video just to say, hey, we missed you. We couldn't be there, um, but we're here now. And so we're excited to be here on a Wednesday night. Um, no place better to be than in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night. Uh, my name is Eddie Griff. I've got my wife, Sarah, here. Uh, our kids, Tyler, Zachary, and Elena, are with your children. So I know they're having a good time. Thank you for having that. So it's good to get to take around other kids. And um, man, 2021 already. Isn't that crazy? So we, we started deputation, the formal process. It's a, it's a fancy Christian word for fundraising. We started that process in January of 2020, and uh, you know what happened, COVID. But you know who our God is? Our God's bigger than any disease, any pandemic, anything that, that we could ever think and imagine, because we've raised 70% of our funds since January of 2020. So I don't know 
I don't know how to do that. We can clap. We can give glory to God. I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. Um, our, our initial plans didn't really change much. We, we set a goal to be on the field uh, in the fall of 2021, and that's still our goal, to be on the field November of 2021. So just pray for that to happen. We're working through some logistics uh, in foreign countries, borders, visas, all that stuff. It kind of changes because everybody wants more money. I mean, really, that's what happens. So I just want to encourage you. I think, what is it called? A um, uh, exemption, travel exemption visa or something. I can't remember. What does that even mean? Weird. But that's COVID. And, you know, I think a lot of things are different, right? We're from Ohio. Uh, this trip, we've been out about three months. We've traveled about 7,000 miles in the last three months. So we got some good driving time in. Uh, and you know what God's done? He's shown us that all over the country things are different. We go to Ohio, don't judge. <laughs> we've been to Texas, we've been to Alabama, we've been to all the, all the places that would say, hey, you're from Ohio, but you're Bible believers, so it doesn't matter where we're from, right? We believe the Bible, so don't get caught up in that stuff. But what I notice is that things are different, but the only thing that I notice along the way in churches that believe the book is Jesus. He's not different. That gospel, that good news is just as good here in Harrisonville as it is in Tajun City, 8,600 miles away. And I look a little different. I've got a, a long, untucked shirt on. You might be like, what's up with that shirt? Well, this is a barong, and I'm actually dressed up tonight, just so you know. This is like a shirt and tie in the Philippines. I love it because it's comfortable. If you guys want one, you just got to come get one. And what I mean by that is just come over, and I'll get you one. Hallelujah. Ray's coming. All right. But you know what I've noticed? That, that gospel message has to get out there because people are dying. Now, if, if COVID would have happened or something would have happened and people stopped dying, then we would have stopped going on different dates. We would have taken a break. But you know what? Hell is never full. The fire is never put out. And people need the gospel. We've got people that are waiting to hear from us. We might be a little different. We might not be your conventional missionaries, but it's kind of a, a high risk, high reward. We're going to reach people that come from backgrounds like us. I was saved uh, at, a, at a later age. I'm not from a camp. I'm not from a, a church background. I don't have a pastor daddy. I don't have a missionary daddy. I don't have that, any of that. It's first generation stuff. So if you're here tonight, you're just a common person, you're in good company. Because you're a missionary here in Harrisonville. You don't have to go to Tagoon City. Just do something here. And hopefully tonight that will encourage you. Because we have a message that we can take wherever we go. And our church, the First Baptist Church of Jackson in Massillon, Ohio, some of you may know Pastor Jay Boffman. Uh, he's done some events, and I think Stephen's doing summer camp with your kids. Uh, we've had fellowship with Pastor Brian for years, but in our church, that sign represents missions from 15 miles away to the, at the Stark County Correctional Facility all the way to the crazy Zisk family, 8,600 miles away in Tajun City. Because what does that say about us? For God so loved the world. Do you guys believe that? I mean, we say it, right? We, we can all rattle that verse off. But do you believe that? And if you believe that, you will actively be participating in missions. And I hear a lot of people say, hey, we're missions-minded. And that's great. But you know what's better than being missions-minded? Missions active. Being active in missions. Praying, supporting, and going. Those are active mission plans. You see, we believe the Bible. Any, any Bible believers here? A couple of you? Okay, good. That's you're in good company. Um, the Bible says in, in John chapter 4, verse 35, Behold, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already for the harvest. You know what that means? 
God's already prepared a harvest. We just got to go. You don't have to go. We will go. But you have to harvest here. So it's kind of a it's kind of one of those things where you do your part here and we'll do our part there. The teamwork element. And those are things that that, that God does. You know, reaching the world is an impossible feat. I mean, I can't even fill my head. When our pastor said, it is possible to reach the entire world with the gospel. Every time I hear that, I'm like, man, I believe that. But it's so monumental that we all do our part. Because like I said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh, my wife was saved at a young age, but wasn't in a disciple-making church. Kind of went wayward in her teen years, met me along that path. And then, you know, when we got married, she knew enough to go back to church. She's like, man, we got to go to church. And I'm like, what? God's telling me that part of the deal. So we show up at a Baptist church, and I sit in the back row. I was the back row Baptist, Cotton Keeling Kyle, listening to this guy just preach the Bible, man, word by word. So I took one of the study sheets one week, picked up one of those old Bibles the next week, and then through the course of time, March 22nd, 2009, Beth and I received Christ. I said, okay, God, we were in Genesis, and he was talking about Jacob wrestling with God, and man, that was me. I was wrestling with God. And I walked away changed that day. Like many of you, if, if, if God's gotten a hold of your heart, he's changed you. He's made you a new creature, the Bible says. And that's just the beginning because uh, being saved is great. Hallelujah. You get to go to heaven. But it's so much bigger than that. But modern Christianity doesn't teach that. They say, hey, you just need to pray this prayer and woo, you'll high five Jesus on the way in. Well, I believe in the judgment seat. I believe there's a lot of work to do. And I believe that there's a lot of things that we're missing as a church. And I was discipled one-on-one. -on -one. My wife was discipled one-on-one -on -one in our church. And man, I don't know where I would be without that. I can't go back in time and say I don't, I'd be this or that. But I'm just glad I was discipled. Are you guys, you guys are in a disciple-making church. Are you glad that you follow the biblical pattern of someone investing in you and then you doing the same and then them doing the same? That's the plan, right? That's. So we had that go on in our life, and then um, God kept working on us. My wife, she decided it was a good idea to go into the Bible Institute. And I'm like, what? No. I got saved. I got discipled, man. I'm good. I want to sit down and just sit and listen to this crazy man preach this Bible. And I was cool with that. But God wasn't. You see, I barely graduated high school, so my can't-do attitude was, no, I can't. But then God's like, well, you're right, you can't but I can. So how about you just be willing? Eddie, just be willing and let me do the rest. And he did that. Because that's what God does when you're willing. He changes you. He does things that you can't explain. Has God ever done anything in your life you just can't explain? I mean, salvation and eternity and all that stuff, that's huge. But like in those moment-by-moment -moment decisions, when God says, are you willing? That's when he starts changing you. So I submitted and went into the Bible Institute and that was one of those things that, you know, you can be intimidated by those things, but be thankful that you guys have quality training and, and biblical philosophies of discipleship and Bible institutes here in-house. You're not farming it out. You don't have to send somebody down the road or across the planet to get trained and then come back and have washed everything that, they, that your pastors and teachers and the people that are actually called to do ministry are, are giving you and giving young men. Be thankful for that. So I, I had that invested into me. And, um, man, there was one thing, though, in, in, in our Bible Institute, you had to go on a mission trip. And I was like, a mission trip? Yeah, I 
go anywhere. I'll stay here in the front row, Elizabeth Creek. Again, you know, just being transparent with you guys because it's a normal town. So we said, okay, I'm, we're not going to this place. We're not going to that place. We can't afford this. And opportunities came and went. So finally, being super spiritual, I said, okay, God, if you just, if you give us an opportunity to go as a couple, me and my wife, we'll go anywhere on the planet. If it's for discipleship, we'll go anywhere on the planet. And we did. We ended up in Tagum City in 2016 with 300 pastors and their wives to minister and teach them the ministry of one-on-one discipleship. So, careful how you pray. God will work this all out. But we went across the world, and most of these men had never even comprehended the fact that they could sit down and invest in someone and then let them do the same. Zero. It was, it was the missing link in their ministry. And it broke our hearts because we were so blessed to say, man, this is all, this is all I know. I came into a Baptist church, I got saved, I got trained, I got discipled, and now I'm going to another church. The only two churches I'm going to be a part of is the one I got saved in and the one we're going to start. I thought that was normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. And that's sad. And when I saw those men and met their wives and met their families and saw how excited they were, they were just fighting with one arm. They didn't, they didn't have any, any leverage. They didn't have a chance because they, they couldn't make disciples. No one had taught them. So we felt moved. We felt like it was our responsibility. So we started down that path. And, you know, have, have you guys ever seen that show Hoarders? Think about this. That show, I'm familiar with your ministries. I'm familiar with your pastors. I'm familiar with the curriculum and the discipleship and the feeding and the exposition and preaching you get. Think about this. If you are coming in every Sunday and every Wednesday and hearing the Bible and you do nothing with it, you just make a little folder or put it on your shelf, you got a little collection going at home and you're, you're storing up all these papers and all these materials and all this stuff and you're not doing anything with it. Do you know what that is? It's hoarding. You're doing the same thing that that show does. You are spiritually hoarding. And one day when you stand before God at the judgment seat, if you're saved, you will stand before God and that trailer full of stuff and things that you thought was so good for you that you never did anything with will light up like a candle. Whoosh! Because you didn't. You didn't, you didn't allow God, you didn't allow God the chance to, to turn it into silver and gold and precious stones. You just kept it for you. Then to the other side of the world, and so is your pastor. There's a famine. Not for Bibles, for kids. And for people to invest their life into people. And so we we did that. We we went on that trip, and then I went on subsequent retreat visits looking for key Filipino churches that were in Mindanao that were willing. To make disciples because some people you know pastor maybe you've never run into this but you know some pastors just don't want to make disciples can you believe that it's hard to believe right they got it figured out brother we're going to reach the world by just doing this and okay but if you're not doing discipling and making disciples at one point you will fail because the mission of god was multiplication through discipleship and if you have just given up on that you may be the best preacher, you may be like a thoroughbred preacher, and you may, you may take somebody, some young college student and invest in them, and, and that's like a, a donkey and a, and a horse, and you make a mule. You know what the problem with a mule is? A mule can't reproduce. 
You've created a character-driven ministry, and you've neutered the fact of multiplication biblically. And I wanted these guys to at least have a chance. I mean, these are guys that had been in ministry longer than I've been alive. And you know what they wanted? More. How do we do this? How do we do this? Help me, help me, help me. So we spent time with men, and I want to draw attention. The, the guy in the very middle on the left with the blue, dark blue shirt, bald head, he had a stroke two and a half years ago, and he's out of ministry formally. The guy two people down with the white hair, he died just after Christmas. So people are dying, leaders are, are perishing, and there's no one to step in the gap because they hadn't trained somebody. But guess what? Nobody helped them train somebody. We want to go and do that multiply other Filipino churches. Then in 2019, we took our family. I've been to the Philippines nine times on this whole process since 2016, seeing what God wanted to do, being flexible, being willing, and saying, what would you have us to do, God? What's the best thing, right? Good's good, better's better, but man, God deserves the best. So we kept going back, and we were looking for opportunities. My wife has been there five times. Our family went there for two months in 2019, June and July. And man, when your kids get involved in missions and ministry and they're on board, man, there's no stopping. When your kids are burdened for people, some of them they've never met, but they've heard stories. Some of them they've met and we've heard stories. But the, the part where we all get to do it together, you know, there's a traditional way of eating. It's, it's called a boodle fight where you stand in a line and there's banana leaves and there's rice and you just sit there and you eat with your hands and you talk to people. I love that. That's a Baptist Fellowship 101. That'd be like, my daughter made friends with these girls, man. She walked into this, uh, she met my daughter, she's very shy. <laughs> Not at all. She walked into this room with this church and the young people from college were there and they're in their uniforms and she walks up, she goes, hi, I'm Elena and you're going to be my friends and we're going to start the girls club. And so for two months we had these girls and people following us around, it was pretty cool. Um, I did a funeral in the Philippines. That was pretty weird and awkward. Uh, it takes about seven days because uh, there's 7,500 islands, and most people live in different islands. So if someone dies, it takes them time to get there. So seven days, they have services. And this woman at the church, I met her husband two days before he died. And uh, she said, Pastor, will you do his funeral? The last day, before he goes in, in the grave, I want you to do his funeral. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty awesome privilege. And then that picture that says, I love Kajin. I mean, that's... That's the, that's the essence of what we feel towards Kajin, in a spiritual love for these people that he's knit our hearts together. And, and we say we left our heart in Kajin, but uh, I can also say that my wife, we were talking about this at lunch today, my wife, two weeks into our trip, decided, hey, let's have emergency laparoscopic surgery to remove my gallbladder. Yes! Mindanao, here we come! Private hospital with cats and cockroaches and everything that you just close your eyes and pray. But you know what? God got us through that. Faith builders. They're not the fun ones. You know what I mean? Like, like those tests. I think of the Old Testament, and there's all these tests in the Bible. You know, Abraham and, and Noah and Jesus, and they all have these tests. But you know what a test makes? A test makes a testimony. If you don't have any tests, you really don't have a testimony. That's where God gets a hold of you and starts transforming you because we actually are cr crazy enough to, to believe that God's heart is, is for you to be there. That's it. Not my idea, not my plan, just following his. So if you're crazy enough to believe that, we want to we wanna 
present this to you tonight. We want to get you on board for this. And we believe the Bible here in Harrisonville. We believe the Bible in Cogden City and everywhere in between. Because God's heart is to reach the world. So tonight I want to show you how your church can help us reach Southeast Asia for Christ by launching three biblical ships. Well, what are you asking me to do? Well, we're in a battle, right? And you got to have a battle plan. And those three biblical ships are how we're going to reach the world. The, the message title tonight is Partners for a Purpose. I'm going to go ahead and pray one more time and we'll get started. Father, I do thank you for tonight. Thank you for Pastor Brian. And we pray for those at home that are watching that they would be moved and stirred to make disciples, to reach out to someone, Lord, because that's what you've called us to do. Not to sit and be idle, but to do the work for the Lord, which is what you do. Father, I thank you for the privilege to speak and open your word tonight. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. So we know that there's an enemy out there. We know that the devil, the world, and the flesh are always constantly battling. Do you know that? We're constantly in a war. And we have to get back to a posture, and we have to get ready. And these ships are what we're going to have to do in order to reach Southeast Asia. And in Heartland Baptist Fellowship, you guys are in this. This isn't just, hey, you go do this, and, and we'll be good. You guys have to do this here. So the first ship, ship number one is discipleship. We've talked a little bit about it. I'll just keep talking a little more. Discipleship is loving God through biblical multiplication because, as Pastor Brian said, Jesus Christ came the furthest from glory to the earth, to people that hated him, that, 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 that didn't listen to him, that eventually he died in his mission field. That's the example. That's the ultimate example. The farthest perfect man because you know jesus christ came here he came here and he did two main things now i get it he did a lot of miracles he did a lot of things but let's focus on two main things jesus christ did one thing that none of us could do he lived a perfect sinless life and he died on the cross for our sins and that's the one thing that only he could do that was the that was the thing he did one of them only he could do that but the other thing you know what he did he left a perfect model and plan for every single human on this planet to be a part of. Discipleship. So he did the thing that no one could do and the thing that everyone could do. That's pretty cool, right? And we're here because of that. Do we really get the fact that we're here because of that? Because someone got discipled, saw someone saved, discipled them, and they continued, and then they started a church and a house, and then that house grew, and they started a church, and you're sitting here today in Harrisonville, Missouri, because of that. That's pretty awesome. That's a, that's a pretty good plan, right? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but guys, we come up with some pretty good plans, right? But think of that. That's the plan. There was no plan B. That was the plan. That was the mission. This wasn't a program. This wasn't even a ministry. This was DNA that Jesus Christ left to invest and reproduce into other people throughout history until he returns or we go in the ground. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's biblical discipleship. It's not just lessons. You see, it's life-on-life -life relationships. Don't get hung up on 16 lessons or 10 or whatever lessons you got. Life-on-life. That's the relationship. And that's what we've been doing in the Philippines, teaching a pattern for men and women, boys and girls, to sit down, invest in someone, give them a tangible, reproducible pattern to then go do that with someone else, and then they can go do it with someone else. That's a pretty awesome plan. It's pretty simple. So why do we have such a hard time with that? Well, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. But I want to think of it like this. If, if you knew that you had six months to one year to live, what would you do? Do you know Jesus Christ knew that six months to a year he was going to die and go to the cross? And you know what he did in that six months to a year? Along with the three and a half total years? He spent time with people. He didn't get up at the temple and preach a big sermon and have 10,000 come and hear Jesus live. He got down on the ground with his disciples and he loved them. Life-on-life relationship. Are we doing that in our discipleship ministry? Because in the Bible it says that there's a, there's a plan. God had a plan and uh, Jesus is the one that set this model to do and Let's open our Bibles. Take your Bible to John chapter 4. Or you can just look over here. Brian has strategically placed this verse for me, um, unbeknownst to me. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, his disciples, My meat, what, what truly sustains me, what really gets me charged up, is to talk about the will of him that sent me. No, it says to do the will of him that sent me. And now, guys, I'm not going to bust down you too much, but it says... And to finish his work. You guys ever had a project at home that you just never really got around to? I got a piece of trim behind my bathroom door. Yeah, not done. It's been about 12 years. I'll get that. I don't want to do that with discipleship. I want to finish the work. It's not my work. Remember that. Folks, if you take away one thing from this, remember this is not your work. It's his. That helps me. That helps me because, you know, Jesus had disciples and one of them was a devil. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if things go sideways with someone. It happened in Jesus' earthly ministry. And if God had one in his crew, you're going to probably have one in yours. So just keep at it and finish his work. That's, that's all he says. He's not worried about figures and all the numbers that we get caught up in. He's worried about faithfulness. Be faithful with one person and then help them be faithful with one person. And if you guys all, if just you guys in this room do that, man, that will change a lot. That will change eternities. That will change your town. That will change your family. That will change everything. Because that's what Jesus Christ did. Let's go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Very familiar prayer of of Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 4, the Bible says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have, what's the word? Finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, I want to point out something here. Remember the two things that I said Jesus came to do? Die on the cross for our sins and make disciples? Well, this clearly is not dying on the cross for our sins. I'm not a smart guy, remember? But I know that because he said he finished the work and he's still alive. He's yet to go to the cross. So the finished work is what he said in in John chapter 4. I'm going to finish this work, discipling these men. And in John 17, he says, I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. That's the plan. Don't you want to finish the work God's given you? I want to hear, like in our video, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not thou good and faithful speaker, thou good and faithful visionary. Servant. Loving people, loving people. People like Jesus Christ did, because I find that wherever we go, and I'm guilty, 
So when I'm pointing at you, I'm pointing back at myself. You know that whole thing? Are you pointing back? We are over-educated and under-obedient. We've got so much Bible knowledge. We've, we've taken our faith and we've added knowledge. But did we add virtue? Did we love people? Did we tell them about the relationship with Jesus Christ? That's what Jesus is, is, is getting at here. Now, how many fishermen do we have here? Any fishermen? Raise your hand if you're a fisherman. All right. What's your name, Bob? Caleb. So Caleb's a fisherman. Caleb probably learned how to fish by watching a really cool YouTube video uh, or, or read a really good book all the hottest fish and the best stuff to buy. Caleb, is that how you learn how to fish? No. <laughs> oh, blows my idea out of the water. Well, Caleb, you tell me how you learn how to fish just really close. Somebody taught him. That's preposterous. Can't I just get on a blog or get on a podcast and figure out how to fish? No. You have to have someone teach you. So there's an element of submission. I know that sounds weird. Submitting to someone to have them show you how to fish. And you know what Jesus Christ did? He didn't write blogs and podcasts. He spent time with people. That time is precious because, you know, if someone has a ton of money and they give it to you, it really doesn't mean much because they spent a ton of it. But if someone's really busy and they give you their time, that stuff is priceless. And I'm fairly certain that the God of the universe, when he came down in the flesh, he could have done anything he wanted to do. He spent time with people, personal, life-on-life relationships, developing his church, the early stages of what would become what we are here today. That's, that is, that's awesome. Life-on-life, Caleb spent with people. Because what he did was he taught those fishermen how to fish for men. Follow me, and I will make you. I love that. Again, it's almost like God does it. But I have to follow. Are you, are you following Jesus? Those are those personal, intimate relationships that we need. And I want to challenge you tonight. Are, are you guys in the ship? Are you discipling? Are you actively pursuing the next person? If you've discipled 50 people, make it 51. Keep on. We, didn't, we don't get to a point where we're like, well, back in 1986, I discipled 53 people. Well, great. What about today? And if the Lord tarries and you don't go on the ground tomorrow or he doesn't come home, I think it's coming. Pray for Israel. Keep at it. Keep on keeping on. Get in the ship. Discipleship. Ship number two is friendship, loving each other as Christ loved us. Now, in a good Baptist church, friendships are easy because you all never disagree. You know, your COVID policies are airtight and everybody's on board, brother. Amen. Oh, we're weird. <laughs> we disagree about weird stuff. What do you want to eat? I don't care. I mean, we just, we're weird. So friendships are, they're awkward, right? You've got people that aren't related by blood, and you, you choose your friends, but you can't choose your sin. Friendships are hard work. But you know what? I love that song, that little friend we have in Jesus. I love this verse, too. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You see, you know, we're, we're supposed to be fit for the master's use. We need to be a sharp uh, sword that can go and it can do the work. We can't be dull like a butter knife. And man, there are some people out there that are just professional dullers. Don't be a duller. Like, sharpen somebody. 
And you do that through discipling someone and taking the word of God and say, you know what? Thus saith the Lord. That's great, Brian. You think that? But I don't care. This is what it says. You're a fan of this team? That's okay. I won't judge you. But what does this say? At the end of the day, this is what matters. The two things that will last forever, the souls of men and the word of God. That's all. And we need good friends like that. And I've had the privilege, and my wife's had the privilege, and our kids have had the privilege to start making those friendships based on discipleship. Taking common, ordinary people that have never been loved on. They've been thrown aside. And giving them the time of day. Giving them the truth. Seeing them saved and then not saying, hey, good luck. Giving them the word of God and then loving them. We had a, we had a situation with one of the girls in the picture that when we were there for two months, you know, in, the, in, in, in Mindanao, it's, it's normal to just get on a, a trike and, and go to the market or go wherever. Young girl, 12 years old, her mom sends her to the market. Well, problem was the guy that drove the cart didn't want to go to the market. I'm not going to get graphic or detailed, but he sexually assaulted this girl, 12 years old. Came back to the church, didn't know what to do, was a mess. My wife and I were there, our kids were there, and we just loved her. Helped her with the government, because everybody there was like, we don't know what to do. Let's just not say anything. We're like, no! She needs help. We want to help you. How can we help you? With the police and with taking care of her and making sure that she was okay. And we just loved her. We loved her as a friend. Like Jesus. And that's terrible. But you know, four weeks later, she got saved. She's a new creature now. She's not defined by that horrendous incident. And then a couple weeks later, she got baptized. And now she's plugging into a local church, and she's, she's grown. Because she had some friends that had her back. Do you have a good friend like that? Man, that's, that's the stuff that, that's the discipleship. That's the byproduct of discipleship. It's friends. Well, well, why do we need friends? Why are you up there getting all huffy and puffy about discipling and this friend stuff? John chapter 15, let's go there. Another familiar passage you guys have probably heard a thousand times, but we're going to hear it a thousand and one. John chapter 15, in verse 9, the Bible says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his brothers. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father. I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go, action, and bring forth fruit, multiply, and that your fruit should remain. Continue. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that ye love one another. You see, we get hung up on you know, reaching souls and giving the gospel. Man, you got to do that. But you know, attached to that soul and that spirit is a human being, a person that feels and believes and needs love just like you and I do. And we need to lovingly show them the way and tell them the truth. Because here's what happens. 
Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loveth sometimes. You could do it just like that. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We're in some adverse times, man. Don't turn on the TV tonight. There is some stuff going on that I'm like, why did I do that? You know why I know this? Because John chapter 16 doesn't end there. Jesus didn't say, yay, love one another. And then that's it. Here's why. Jesus always had a why. Do you have a why in your life? You should. Because your why should drive the how and what that you do in your life. Why am I making disciples? Because I love God. What am I doing? Making disciples. Let's keep reading. John 15, 18. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world what? What? It hates you. It hateth you every day. This world hates you, Christian. When you walk out those doors tonight, the world on the other side hates you. How do I know that? Because it hated them. And if you follow Christ and you love him, you, the world will hate you. So here's what I know. If you're, if you're not being a good friend, be a good friend. Because there's only two types of people in this world. There's a bitter friend like Judas and a better friend like Jesus. I want to be a better friend like Jesus. How about you? I want to see people saved. I want to love them and disciple them. But sometimes we get caught up in all the details and all the, trust me, I, I come from a church that's very systematic and methodical. Brian knows that. But we can't lose the love factor. Because the love factor is what connects everything together. So discipleship and friendship, again, are you in the ship? Are you, are you loving your friends? Are you loving your enemies? Are you loving your neighbors? Are you loving people like Jesus Christ? Because if you are, you'll want to reach them, wherever you are. Because guess what? Everybody here, raise your hand. Raise your hand. There you go. Everybody that has their hand raised is a missionary, whether you like it or not, because you're called to go. Take the gospel to every creature. Might not be in Tagum City, Mindanao, Philippines, but you know where it is? It's right here. And you are an active, important, vital part of this local church to go out these doors and to reach your mission field. I can't reach Harrison Bray. Your pastor can't reach Harrison Bray. He can't go to your school. He can't go to your job. You know who can? You can. You can reach the world for Jesus Christ, even if it's one person. That's awesome. So we've got discipleship and friendship. And then last ship is the one where you guys get involved with us. That's partnership. Because we need you. We need partners. That's loving the world through working together. And the early church got that. They had churches that worked together. They were autonomous local churches run by pastors. But you know what they had? They had fellowship together. They worked together. They didn't turn into the Baptist island and say, we got it. Leave me alone. Partners are what get, get things done. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8. Aren't you glad 2 Corinthians is in your Bible? 1 Corinthians is a little less. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 22, the Bible says, And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my, what is that? Helper. And fellow helper. Man, if Paul needed partners and fellow helpers, I'm pretty sure the Zissers did. 
Paul was pretty awesome. A lot more awesomer than me during English class than it was during Sunday school. A fellow helper concerning you, or the brethren be inquired of. Who are they? Who, who are these partners? This is you involved too. They are the messengers of the churches. That's what partners do. They're messengers of the churches going out to the Philippines, going out to Cambodia, Laos, all these places. Messengers of the churches. And when you give the gospel and you see someone saved, it's the glory of Christ. That's the glory. That's the goal, to make God look good, to glorify him in all things. And when you go out and you reach people for Christ, that glorifies God. When you send missionaries and you're a partner, that glorifies God. Because I know that in Philippians, when, when Paul wrote this from a prison cell, he wasn't worried about himself. How do I know that? Because it says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire a fruit that may abound to your account. And if we were in the South, it would be y'all's account. All of you. Your account. So there's a literal scene, and I believe this because I'm a Bible believer, and there's going to be thousands and millions of people worshiping God and, and praising him, and they're going to be from Harrisonville, they're going to be from Jackson Township, and you know what we want to see? We want to see a lot of Filipinos, man, gathered around that tent, worshiping God, giving glory to God in the highest, and you can do that, and you don't even have to leave your seat. something you have to you have to pray you have to financially give you have to do something because we can't all do the same thing but we can all do something right some of you you're older and and you can pray man i was i was listening to you sweetheart just hearing your heart about praying about i'm a softie but praying man pray you can't go pray you can't go send funded whatever do something because that's what Paul said. You know, the early church, the Bible said, they turned the world upside down. You believe that? The problem is that world got flipped upside down, and then we came along, and then it kind of got flipped back over. You know what we got to do? Flip it back over. Flip it back upside down. There's no new normal, right? It's COVID. We're doing all sorts of stuff. Nobody knows what they're doing. But you know what we do? Because we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have this book finished in our language, and we can take it anywhere on the planet. That's our God. That's how he accomplishes what he wants. And he does it through discipleship, through friendship, and through partnership. And that's how we have to do it. Because this is impossible, like I said. I can't do this. You can't do this. But my friend Brian, he's a Filipino, and he's been working on me. He said, Pastor Ed, when you get upset, I want you to remember this verse. This is his favorite verse. Luke 137, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can cure people? Do you believe that God can change your eternity? Then believe this, nothing shall be impossible. And we're not superstars. You know, if we were a superhero, we'd be Clark Kent. That's, su that's Superman without the cape. He's kind of dorky. That's who we are, but we're, we're common people like you guys. You're common dorks like me. But the thing is, when you when you guys walk out your doors, I want you to see this. This is the door at our, our local church in Jackson, and, and we walked out of that thing from the time I got saved. I remember just looking at that going, man, what, is that? what does that even mean? And then you find out what it means. And for 10 years, it was Jackson. That's my mission field, Jackson. Men's ministry, teaching, life groups, lasagna, Friday nights with couples, whatever it was, man, that was our mission field. Discipling. 
And then you know what God did? He changed our geography. Because missions is not geography. It's just hearts. And then you go out those doors, what's the number you run in and out? How many tears? Until God changes that, that destination. Because here's what, we, here's what we need to remember. Everything we do matters. Not some things. Everything. Everything has a purpose. And you can reach somebody. And you can invest in somebody, whether it's something that just says you care about them. Man, these aren't Google images. These are our people. I'm their people. And we want you to be their people, too. Because everything we do matters. I want to put our information up. We've got a, our table set up out there with some prayer cards. Um, we've got a sign-up for our newsletter. We'd love to keep you in touch. But if you don't want to take anything or you, you know, you're still kind of working through COVID, you can take a picture of this screen. Um, but it says on there, it says not all of us can do the same thing. But all of us can do something. And that's not just a catchy hashtag. That's a Bible truth. Remember the, the widow's mite? That was pretty awesome, dude. Because you say, man, this is, man, she's given more. I can't find faith like this anywhere. What about you guys? What, is it, what does it mean for you to give to missions? I want to I leave you with that. I want to read a verse, and then uh, I'm going to have my wife come up. We're going to answer some questions. Go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. This verse was read at Pastor Mark Trotter's funeral. Um, little background history, Pastor Mark Trotter um, was the pastor that my pastor came into their church service at 29 years old, heard him preach. He got saved, he got discipled, he got trained, and he got sent out to start a little church in Jasper. And then this guy comes in, 30 years old, me, gets saved, gets discipled, gets trained in the Bible Institute, and now is going across the country. Don't tell me what you do doesn't matter. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know what they're going to turn into. Because I can tell you, that was me. A schmuck punk. You don't know better than God. Let me just say that. If you think I can't do that, I can't preach like Pastor Brian. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. Don't worry about who's right or who's wrong. You know what? Just do what you're willing to do. Just give God your life and then let him work it out, what you're going to do. Because when you're willing... You can say this. Verse 24, Acts chapter 20. They read this at Pastor Mark's funeral. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Joy is one of the, the fruit of the Spirit. It, it is the only thing that you can only get that from Jesus Christ. You can't find it anywhere else. Finish your course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. If you are taking up God's air tonight, if you are breathing, you're standing, you're sitting, or whatever you're doing, if you can inhale and you can open your mouth, you can testify the gospel of the grace of God. And until you don't have that voice or that breath, pray for you guys would be encouraged by what, what God says from his word and just consider partnering with us and uh, man we're ready to go watch that video two or three times a week and I never get bored those are our people that's our mission field so at this time I want to ask my wife to come up here
my wife, Sarah. So at this time, we're going to make everybody awkward. We're going to ask you who wants to ask the first question. It can be about, it can be about anything. I really don't care. You can ask me a question about anything. If it's personal, we'll just go, we'll go with it. Maybe you can edit it or say something. Something about the Philippines, something about our field. If you have a question, I'd just like to get somebody to start that off. I know the first one's the hardest, so somebody give us a question. Who has a question? Yes, ma'am. So do we have Bibles in the primary language where we are? So the native dialect in Mindanao is Visayan or Cebuano. And I actually have a parallel King James Bible out there. So we do have the word in their language, and we also have the King James parallel. So yes, there is Bibles in Cebuano. Yes, ma'am. Please, ma'am. Yes, sir. sky or a direct anything um, really Eddie and I just got plugged in discipleship we got plugged in you know serving caring for kids cleaning the toilets I mean you name it in our church we did it um, and we just were just following God you know it wasn't like a specific moment you know we just kept walking through the doors and opportunities that God kept putting in front of us and when the Philippines came up and we said, okay, here, let's go, we didn't know exactly what that meant. I mean, we were in the Manila Cemetery. Both of us kind of, you know, at that moment, we were overwhelmed because we just got done with this conference for the first time. And um, if you – so the Manila Cemetery is the second largest cemetery, um, military cemetery, but it's American-19. If you go there and you look around, um, there's pillars um, in a circle, and it has all the people that fought in the World War II, and their names were jobs or ranks. Um, and if you look in the fields where here, you know, we have stones and stuff like that, different shapes and sizes, but there, there's two. There's crosses and stars of David, fields and fields and fields, and it's gorgeous. But you look at all those crosses and stars of David, and you know they're not every single one of them people that has their grave marked with a cross or stars. I mean, when you see that, you're just overwhelmed. You know, you just have to be able to tell people who Jesus is. And so not really a specific moment. It's really just about step by step, moment by moment, just abiding, you know, and following God and wherever that leads, you know, because you can have ideas, you can have the greatest ideas, but, you know, God's always like, he has a great sense of humor and says, oh, you know, you thought this was going to be this way, but he's got a better plan than we could ever think. Add in to what that fellow said, be obedient and submissive to your pastor. 
in your local church. Because if you can't submit to the leadership of your pastor that God's given you, you're not really submissive to God. And if you've met our pastor, he's not always easy to get along with. Brian can attest that. He's intense. But you know what I learned? He protected us. He loved us. And he, he was praying and we were praying. And you're not going to get a, a sign in the set. You know, we're not. How many of you are Jews here today? We're not going to get a sign. So in mission, stop looking for a sign. But just be obedient. Just, just take that step. Disciple somebody. If there's a mission trip, go on it. If there's an opportunity, do it. Feed people at the, at the food clinic. Do whatever. Do something. And God will keep directing your path. It's when you stop doing that, that's when you start wondering, I don't know. I don't know. But just keep plugging away. So are our parents saved, and are they in agreement with us going to the Philippines? So after I got saved, uh, my parents thought my wife was crazy and had me in a cult. So they were freaked out, thought I was a snake charmer. She was a snake charmer. Um, never figured that one out. But anyway, so, but after the life change, they started seeing that. And my mom was seeking, started asking questions. She ended up getting saved. And then shortly after, my dad did get saved. So my parents are both saved. And, uh, and, and Sarah's mom, she's saved. Her dad has, has passed on. But, uh, yeah, and then all of our kids are saved. And they both go to our church. Yeah, so our, my parents go to, all three of us go to our church now. And then our kids got saved at Alvey. They can do the Joyce Confession for Jesus as an adult. And so that, like I said, it was like, I felt like I was the first generation. And then it worked backwards one and then forwards one. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Oh, are they in agreement? At first, no. What? No, well, let's think this through. And they had all those, you know, mom and dad ideas. Well, have you thought about that? And as we went back and we just kept talking about it. And then after we got back with the kids and the kids wouldn't stop talking about it, we're like, what? Only God's going to change their minds if it's going to change the country and the atmosphere for us. So, yes, it took years of process. But God has given them the deep stuff to do with that. So how did our kids feel about us going to the Philippines? Sarah. Um, so back in the when they were still young, so they're kind of like along for the ride. They were like, okay, Philippines, yay, I don't know what that means. But Kyler in the beginning was not, not having it. Um, Kyler is very literal. Kyler is very matter of fact. Kyler will tell you exactly how he feels, whether it's he comes from an angry puppy or not. Um, so it was awesome to watch from the beginning start starting to mention about the Philippines and kind of cluing them in and here's the possibilities and this is what the culture's like and kind of just preparing them um, and just watching God be with them. That was the most amazing. I could never, Eddie could have never said anything to change his mind to get, I mean, at the time we started, I think he was 13, 14, you know, so really teenage years of starting, you know, the whole you know, changing and stuff that he had to, anyway, but God had all that under wraps, and it was so cool just to watch, you know, he would be, you know, listening to Pastor Tom preaching, and I could just watch him, how just God was just like, 
totally being with his attitude and just how he, you know, his, his willingness to be able to be the family. But really that didn't happen. I mean, th- your whole life's going to change. Your food's going to change. Your friends are going to change. Your church is going to change. Your kids grown up in just a little while, you know. So, but when we went in 2019 and he got to see his part and then, I mean, he had even a, a little special kind of dad. Like he, he kind of scared us for a minute. In Pastor Eric's church, there's three levels of uh, the church that we were went to assist and kind of, you know, watch and see how things were. There's three levels of our church. There's the basement level, which is right off the street. There's a middle level, and then there's like an upper deck level. And we always like, we always go downstairs because that's just where we hung out during, you know, the day. It's cooler. It's so hot upstairs. There's no air. Um, so we're all looking around for Tyler because his job was, you know, watch out for the little ones while mom and dad were busy. You know, don't get kidnapped. So <laughs> don't get kidnapped, baby. Um, so he disappeared, and I'm like, where is Tyler? So we're all looking around for Tyler, and so Tyler comes down the steps. I'm like, hey, buddy, like, dude, I told you to stay down here. Where were you? He's like, I just went upstairs. I just needed to have some time with God. And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I just know we need to be here now. And for your kid to tell you that, for me, it was like God was reassuring my heart as a mama, knowing that he's on board now. And it wasn't something that we had to drag him through or force through. So that was super awesome. And I wanted to share a verse with you about how you're asking about specifically, um, you know, about go-to verse for that. So it says, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall he be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him will they ask the more. So I always stick with that is we've been given so much. But we don't. We need to not stop there. And like Eddie was saying about hoarding, we need to remember God expects so much more, and He deserves so much more. So that's my go-to. Anybody else? Maybe one or two more. Place to live and school. So I'll answer the second question first. So we started Liberty University online with all of our kids uh, right when COVID hit. It was like the perfect training uh, because when you're on deputation, you travel with a bunch of books and do all that stuff just wasn't feasible. So having it online was like perfect. And then when we were there in 2019, we looked at the schools and even the private school that was there, there was a guy with an AK out front and we're just like, yeah, I just don't think that that's going to stick because you're causing more of a concern for everybody there because, the, you know, my daughter and my wife are the only two white women I've ever seen there. So there's no need to draw more attention. So online schooling is what we're doing now. We're going to continue that even like Tyler's getting ready to possibly finish his college classes online. Um, and as far as a house, we stayed in a house in the city. Um, there's with a moment toilets and with water. the toilets. Yeah. So people ask us, well, isn't it cheap to live in the Philippines? We're like, well, if you want a toilet and you want electricity, then no, it's actually a little expensive because those are like, Wow, you've got electricity, running water, and, a floor. and toilets. Yeah, that's 
and a floor. Yeah, right. you're not like it's not dirt. So there's a bunch of things that kind of figure into that valuation. But yeah, we've looked at some houses. Uh, we'll rent a house there for probably the first year, maybe year and a half or two, and then at some point we'd like to, you know, kind of build. Uh, once we get our location nailed down, we'd like to kind of grow that space from just a small group. And that's just to kind of answer a question nobody's asked because I like to kind of qualify this. Like you're not, we're not going to go there and drop this big building and just fill it with people. That's that's not what we're asking you to do when we say partner with us. We're not going to take your money and dump it into a big building and then just rush people into this. We're going to start by just meeting people where they're at, knowing the language, learning the culture, making disciples, growing a group, and then giving them ownership of that ministry so that they can then do that and grow it. And then when we do decide to build the building, it'll be theirs. And we can have leaders that are their leaders and their nationals, and then we can just keep going. So just to kind of lay that out, too. It's a little bit different than some of the models we've heard other people do, but by golly, we're going to stick with that model. Because we want to be a reproducible pattern, right? We want to. We don't want to be mules. I don't want it to be Eddie's group. Can't do that. Can't make it possible. Got one? Anyone? All right. All right, so um, that was good, wasn't it? Amen. Randy, do you have anything that you want to add or say or contribute? Okay, so um, <clears throat> just want to recap a little bit what we've heard, right? Let me ask you guys, what are the three ships? Give me the first one. Discipleship, second one. Friendship, last one. Partnership, all right, good. So uh, Eddie said a lot of things that were really good. Things we many of us know, right? We've heard, but it was just good to refresh and uh, hear some of those things. The one thing that I really, really enjoyed was Jesus can do one thing, right, that no one else can do, but he can do another thing that we may all do. And I thought, man, that's, I didn't, I don't think I've ever heard that. That's the secret, right? That's good. Um, and so that was super good. And uh, there's just several points that God, God uh, really blessed me with as, as you went through that. Um, <clears throat> and everything we do now, we play with. Right, so we're not wasting God's time, and God's not wasting His time um, with us. And so I just really appreciate that. You know, one thing I can see very obviously, Eddie, is uh, this is really getting real for you, bro. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming here. And uh, you've you've been through your ships many times, and uh, but uh, it was fresh. And uh, I just thank you for sharing your heart with us. And uh, and so uh, be praying about how you can partner, right? And so we don't have. Eddie on the the uh, approved list yet, but we'll work on that. And if you feel led uh, in budgeting that for them, and uh, they're going to need your support, so they got thirty percent more to go. And so, and you know, I, I really appreciate that Pastor Tom Gunner uh, many years ago when we sent Harold Hotman out to uh, Brazil, uh, First Bible uh, or First Baptist Church of Jackson was on board, big time, supporting uh, Harold and Tammy, and I really appreciate that. So I feel you can return the favor there. And uh, <coughs> key man, key city, right, uh, with the key message. And so all those things line right up with who we are and what we're all about. So praise God for that. So this is what we do. Um, we don't have, we're not going to do this as we used to do uh, before COVID, but just, just I'm going to do something similar. If you can, everyone stand. Uh, I want to bring Eddie and Sarah up, and we want to pray out. Randy, I don't know if you feel like it, but if you feel like walking up here, that would be great. Um, 
<clears throat> I used to have everybody kind of up together. We'd pray over you. Not like you're really doing and singing it, but kind of like that. And uh, just kind of 